It's the Dear Black Folks Podcast with your host, Earl Markham. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. I know it's been a while. Man, it's been so much going on since the last podcast. I can't believe it's been that long. I looked I looked at my, um, my platform and saw when the last one was. I was like, damn, it's been like four or five months. Like, you know, just time went by so fast. Uh, my intention was not to be gone that long. Um, you know, when I first started the podcast, I was furloughed from work. So I had nothing but time. <laughs> you know, I was at home every day, all day. So I was able to dedicate 100% time to it. So that's why I, when I first got it started, I was bumping them out every week. But shortly after that, I got called back to work. And right before I went, got called back to work, I went on a, a cross-country motorcycle trip with a, a couple of club brothers of mine. Went from Atlanta to uh, Los Angeles, Vegas, Utah, and back. Had a good time. And the next week after I got back, I got called back to work. And because of the type of work I do, um, the stuff because of COVID-19 here in Atlanta where I live is not uh, open back up yet. So I had to I have to go out of town right now, which, you know, only a couple of hours away from home. But nonetheless, I'm out of town right now during the week. So... Um, you know, I was away from the equipment and, you know, just, it's just been a lot, but I've been trying to figure out, okay, what can I do to be mobile as well? So I don't have to just wait till I come home to record my podcast, but I still want to have, you know, the quality sound. So I think I pretty much got it all figured out. So I'll be able to do my show from either the hotel room or home. And I'm trying to pump them back out regularly. It may not be every week, but I need, you know, I'm going to try to at least do every other week. Um, but the goal is weekly, but sometimes it might be bi-weekly. Just, you know, just trying to figure it all out so I can keep good content. I don't want to just, also just don't want to just be throwing no bullshit out there just to say I got a podcast up, you know. So, um, but anyway, we're back and hopefully back rolling full throttle now. And um, I have a... a, a the first one back, I think you all enjoy. It's, it's three uh, lovely ladies that starting a new podcast called um, This Is Sex. You will probably remember um, one of them, which was Dr. J, who was one of my first interviews when I started the podcast. So she has teamed up with two other ladies to do their own podcast now. So I think you all enjoy it. Let's get into it. Um, just sit back and enjoy some... Uh, some some good conversation on on the subject of sex, and uh, look forward to uh, bringing much more good content to you all. And uh, let's get into it. And now back now to the Dear Black Folks podcast with your host Earl Markham. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Dear Black Folks podcast. Today, I have three beautiful guests of a new podcast entitled "This Is Sex." The three hosts are Dr. J, Dr. Valen, and Dr. Clay. I added that doctor on. You see that, Dr. Valen? I'm right there. I'm like, you know, it has a nice ring to it, though. Valen, but I went on and added that doctor to it. Just speak it. Speak it. <laughs> so everybody, please welcome to the Dear Black Folks podcast, the new and upcoming podcast, This Is Sex. Hello, ladies. Hi. Hey. How are we doing today? It's a beautiful Good. day. Good. Good. This has been a long. This has been a long time coming. We've been trying to set this this up for a while, and finally, all the stars aligned for us to get it done today. Yes. <laughs> you got to take your time and do it right. <laughs> so, we are working now. You all have a, a, a new podcast coming out called "This Is Sex." Am I right? That is yeah. Yep. Okay. So before we get started, let's kind of go down the line and 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 kind of get everybody. I, I did the names. You can introduce yourself again and your and your credentials and let everybody know. You know where, what role you play in this podcast. So we'll start with uh we'll start with you, Doctor J. Uh, hey everybody. Um, this is my second time on Dear Black Folks podcast, so I feel like I'm the 
the uh, OG to this whole thing. Um, I am a sexual health educator as well as public health practitioner and academician, and I reside in the great state of Texas. Okay. Great state, huh? We have to say everything's big in Texas. (laughs) That's right. I'm just checking. I'm just just checking. The great state. Dr. Dr. Clay, we start to go here next. Uh, hey, everybody. I am Dr. Clay. I'm a board-certified obstetrician and gynecologist, sex educator, and sexual health counselor. Um, I don't reside in the great state of Texas. I reside in sunny, sunny California that is currently on fire right now. California, <laughs> yay. Um, <laughs> uh, but normally, but normally, sunny, sunny state of California. Okay. All right. And Valen? I am Valen, no doctor, um, but I am a clinical social worker in North Carolina, North Kakalaki, um, clinical social worker, sex educator, sex therapist, and yeah, that's it. All right. I'm in Bull right. City. All right. Not too far from, what, what part of North Carolina you say you are? Durham, also known as Bull City, also known as Black Wall Street, home of North Carolina Central University. University. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's let's jump right in. So you all have a new podcast coming out called This Is Sex. So yes. tell me a little bit about um your reasoning for wanting to do the podcast. Um what 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 you hope to uh, accomplish with the with the podcast. You wanna take that one, Valen? Sure, sure. <laughs> Uh, well, the three of us met at uh, the University of Michigan, where we all completed the sexual health certificate program. And we realized, aside from being professional black women, we all had this passion for sex, like sexual health and what it meant to us as black women and how we have this natural you know, organic, multi-interdisciplinary team perspective of an academician, a GYN, uh, you know, a mental health clinician. And so how we all look at the same things from our different purviews, but how, you know, these conversations are needed. Like we're always having conversations in group chats or, you know, if you with your good, good girlfriends, maybe if you have a sorority meeting or a lot of times by default, if you go through something or you lose a baby and, you know, your aunt might say, I lost one too, but you had no idea. So just kind of having these outward, open, honest conversations about everything sexual health, from pleasure to dysfunction to just even literally talking about it. And that's how we arrived at This Is Sex, because we like to talk about it. Okay. <laughs> so so um, with, with with the subject of being about sex, do you think especially in, in, in our community that it's kind of a taboo subject and how do you all plan on, on tackling that? If, if you know, we're not taboo at all. That's, I think that it, the reason it works so well is <laughs> that I think we all grew up in different um, households with different um, perspectives and we all still came to the same sexual health program with the same level of open openness and honesty. So I think for us, it's really easy to talk about, but I think we've, realize in our communities that it's not and um the more that we can talk about it the more that we can make it normal to talk about it, i think the easier it is especially especially in um being women of color um you don't see very many of us who are professionals in general and the more that we um bring each other to the forefront the better so and we just let's be honest we just like talking about it i mean we do it anyway Yes, we, we fill do. up the group chats with it anyway, so we might as well have let everybody else into the group chat. All right. <laughs> so let me ask you this, Dr. Clay, with you being a doctor, um, what are some of the things that you see that are maybe some common common things with, with uh with black women when it comes to their health and and and, and sex and female body parts and all that? Well, in general, for me, most of the time, if I don't ask someone about their sexual health, especially a woman of color, we don't ever talk about it. Um, Most people, not just women of color, but most women in general don't feel comfortable walking into a doctor's office and saying, hey, I have an issue with sex. And so it's my job to ask those questions. Um, 
but lots of things, everything from, you know, is it normal for my desire to be low? Is it normal for me to have pain during sex? How do I know um, if I'm doing it right? How do I take care of myself? How do I um, have a conversation with my partner about what I'm going through sexually? That's an issue. Lots of stuff, lots of stuff that I think some of us feel comfortable asking our friends, but even then, I mean, I, I remember talking to my mom. My mom talks to me about stuff because she's, she, despite having a large group of friends, they don't, they come from a generation of people that don't talk about sex um, or, or the challenges that come with sexual health. And so if we can make that more visible and more important, then it'll be a little bit easier for us to talk to our kids and then our kids can talk to each other and, you know, so on and so forth. So let me let me ask you uh, all about you know when it comes to sex with with with, um, with black women versus white women. Let's talk a little bit about about these. Uh, Red lightly. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let, let, let's talk about let, let's let's talk Red a little lightly. bit about about these. Uh, 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 what do I want to call it? The um, rumor is not the right word, but the myths and misconceptions. Yeah. Yeah. That, that white women are. are are more sexual and, and do more mm-hmm. things than black women and stuff like that. So let, let's talk about that a little bit. Who, who wants to tackle that one? Is, is that a myth? I've never heard that before. I'll say this. I'll say this from a health perspective, right? I will say that a lot of non-women of color are more likely to ask questions about sex. They're more likely to um, be a little bit more open in, with their sexual practices with me. Um, than than women of color, just in my personal, in my professional experience. I don't know that they're, we're any less sexual than they are. I just think we do a much better job at keeping it, you know, freaking the sheets and, a, you know, not on the streets type situation. Well, right. I was just thinking that wasn't that better, right? Be a cook in the kitchen, a lady in the streets. You can't show your teeth to every guy you meet. Like, even if you show your teeth <laughs> to every guy you meet, it's just our culture, I right? Like, has, I mean, well, y'all know I love Betty. Like, Betty got glasses. Like, if you yeah. knew I was going to have to bring her up at some point. Right? But, like, all of our music, like, I mean, like, if you do it, it's like, well, you know, it's like all this shame, like everything is just so layered with us for black women. Like, you know, like, oh, people love our, you know, that we're voluptuous, but like, don't be too revealing. But, you know, I remember when the teacher went viral a few years ago because Mm -hmm. her clothes were too tight. It's just like, be sexy, but not too sexy. Like, be vocal, but not too vocal. Don't have low self-esteem, but, you know, like do these affirmations, but be proud. Don't be too proud. And it's just like, well, damn, what, what do you want? So I think I know a lot of people. And I think like for me going to the program, like hearing stats about like the frequency that like most people have sex and stuff like that. I was like, well, damn, maybe my group of friends are like an anomaly because like, I thought everybody squirted. Like I thought everybody was like sucking dick, you know, or like <laughs> playing the balls, you know, on the underside. I don't know. I was just like, oh, okay. But I think that it's really because like we don't have these spaces where we can really talk about it, like and just be free. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like I think that it happens. I remember I was talking to a, a girlfriend on um, one of her shows, and I was just um telling her how my GYN never asked if um, my, my sex is pleasurable. And she was just like, well, that's not something that's important to your GYN. But, you know, Bye, girl. From, but I've learned, right, things I've learned from my good, good girlfriend, my colleague is that like, you know, that's insightful for her because, you know, if I'm having pain, like pain or pleasure or the type of sex, the quality of the sex that I'm having could have health Im- implications. So mm-hmm. it's just, you know, knowing that like we can talk about this is like, well, you know, you're not supposed to have sex until you get married and then you get married. You're supposed to be like, you know, this super freak. And it's like, well, when, when, when do you practice? Yeah. Yeah. I think um, to, to go along with, with Balance point that black women are already so sexualized just in general, in the media, in movies. I mean, we really, I think, take the time to not be so vocal about our sex because when we are, it's always backlash about it. We could just look across the spectrum of music from today. Uh-uh. <laughs> I was trying not to say it. But think about music like Betty Wright and some others yep. who were very subtle in their messages versus how we see some artists today who are literally throwing the pussy in your face. Yep. Well, that's interesting. Now, 
I want to talk about that, but I'm we're gonna get back to that squirting part because I, I you got we're gonna get back to that. So when it comes to like you said, it seems like today being ratchet is the is what is cool. Whereas before it was about being classy and being a lady. Um do you think do you all think that that's something that's purposely being done in our community to to uh to kind of, I guess, shine a negative light on us. Yeah, because so, it, it seems like it's so normal and, and it's cool, and everybody wants to be ratchet and twerking and half dressed and all that stuff. And you know, when we were coming up, that that wasn't cool to do. Um, why do you think that it's changed now? So I'm going to say part of it, from my perspective, is the social media immediate affirmations that we see with the younger generations. So I post a picture, somebody immediately likes it. Um, I can post a picture in a suit. Oh, nice. I post a picture of me with some booty shorts, not that I ever would, but with some booty shorts on, and then I'm getting a ton of, oh yeah, girl, shake it, show it, and all of that. And we want that immediate affirmation. So I think it's always been there, but I think social media really has put it out for everybody to see um, and to really kind of make it more acceptable. But I also believe that part of the reason that we see so much of it is you made a great point. It used to be, you know, be classy, be ladylike. So what changed for those consuming the social media to make it more appealing for the person to show and reflect that on their social media? So men and women are looking at it and enjoying it and wanting more of it. So then the person who's posting or out there shaking it all is going to want to do it more. So what happened for the people to want to see that versus me wanting to show it? And I think we have to have, it's a double-edged sword and we have to have a conversation on both sides of it because if men and women truly want to see uh, a gentleman or a lady, then don't consume the ratchetness and the ratchetness will go away. But because you all are feeding the machine it's going to continue. And it is a machine because people are making, you know, tons of money on sites like OnlyFans to be more revealing, to be more ratchet, to be more explicit in what they're showing versus what it used to be. You know, you used to see a magazine and you would hope you would see a nipple or an imprint of a dick. It was not you getting dick pics in your DMs. So what happened for our society's perspective, and it's not just in our community, but what happened from society's perspective to want and to encourage that more is more as opposed to more is just gross and disgusting. But I still think that a lot, some of it is more so in our community because you don't see, when you when you turn on, on, on go on the internet and stuff, the majority of that ratchet stuff that you see is from from our community, and 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 to me, and to me it, it it seems as though it's like it 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 takes a to me it's, it makes it makes people it drops the respect level I think towards our women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree, but who I will say this: who and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this, and then I'm gonna let Valen and, and Dr. Clay jump in. But who had? From society's perspective, who had the very first sex tape that was ever released? Before Ratchet was a word and Ratchet was a thing and a behavior. What? The was one. Woman of color. Yeah, okay. the and one it was dry as hell. It was very dry. Before Kim Who was it before Kim Kardashian? It was it, back talking, in the 70s. Uh, Leon Isaac Kennedy and, and, and uh, what's her name? Um, before. Who? So the, the very first that got garnered a ton of attention negative and positive was Paris Hilton that's what I was gonna say Mm. when Kim Kardashian was still her assistant well I think you you make a good point she was like 18 19 years old 
Now, just suppose that with Superhead. Why is Superhead ratchet? But, you know, they're cultural icons. They were able to move past that. It was a moment in time. I'm going to say this. I think a lot, I think there's a a good portion of why I think it's so prevalent in our community is our music glorifies Mm -hmm. being ratchet and, um, and having a certain attitude and dress and mindset and that we have so many, and I think the progression of our music over time, right? If you think about the music in the 60s and 70s or even in the 40s and 50s where it was classy, it was very, very subtle what we were talking about in music all the way to, I mean, WAP included, but just all of the rap and the hip hop, how things have changed and how we've gone from wanting, you know, you're one woman that's a freak in the sheet and a lady in the streets. And now I want all women and I want you to show me everything you can do before I will even consider committing to you and how that's become far more and important. And once you do, that, I don't want it because now everybody else has seen it. And I just right. want to say I hit it too. Right. So, so I think imitating life or life imitating art. Right. And so I think um, our community in general is very, very confused about what, um, reality is and what we should or should not be looking for. And we're trying, and our young people are trying to tread through that. What's, what's real on social media? What's not, what am I supposed to be looking for? What's not, what does my identity say I should be doing? What does my friend say? What does my religious upbringing say? All of that. And they're just very, very, I think over. Is it going to make a name for me? Is this my claim to fame? Is it going to take me to the next level okay. of okay. popularity or, acceptance or all these other things so is it that we see other people have it and then we're chasing it through this mechanism and this strategy Mm -hmm. and just to play devil's advocate though i would say ratchet like when i hear ratchet it doesn't connotate offensiveness to me necessarily you know what i'm saying or like inappropriateness like you know i think ratchet just like a lot of other words in terms in our culture like it's layered right like um you know most of the time i'm thinking like loud um you know vulgar things like that and i think to me it's more or less like ratchet is a it's a persona, right? Like it's part of the code switching that many of us do not necessarily indecent or lacking respectability per se, maybe more assertive, you know? So I don't always hear ratchet and, you know, think like, okay, like, you know, this is going to be like the end of us, you know, like the end of like good quality Negroes for being ratchet, you know, so like, we, like, we, like we know that, like, I mean, it doesn't matter, like, you know, quality Negroes. I mean, it really doesn't matter in terms of like, whether or not you might get shot by the police or, you know, like with Cardi B, even for a WAP, you know, like if you want to go there, like, I mean, now she did file for a divorce recently, but like she's married. She, she's been able to, you know, pull herself up from her bootstrap, so to speak. And like, you know, Meg Thee Stallion is also enrolled in college. But I think a lot of the times, although, you know, their their lyrics are explicit and it's it, to get a reaction. But at the same time, like, you know, are we saying like the whole person is ratchet, like the whole thing or like this song or is the song inappropriate or is this song helping us to have difficult conversations, you know, or like be better self Fem- the female perspective, like you don't really see the word ratchet attached to men. Yeah. But a man can so sit you, there and talk about you know, stallions attached to men. You don't, he don't hear ratchet and hoes and sluts and stuff attached exactly. to men. So I, I, I think um, when uh, I think um, Dr. Clay mentioned the music, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I think that does play a, a big part in it because we went from having love songs to fuck songs. We mm-hmm. went from having songs about unity and power to the people to kill a nigga and shoot him up and all that. Yep. And, and, um, and you know, a lot of people may disagree. Drug but I, the drug but, yeah, but yeah. music plays a big part in, 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 you know, the young minds of our culture and what they listen to. Yeah. Um, and I, I'll, I'll say it all the time. I think it plays a big part in it. I remember one time, not that I, listen and take everything that he says, but sometimes he says stuff that, that resonates with me. Um, I remember Steve Harvey one time said something about, uh, we went from, men went from making songs to impress women to making songs to impress men. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and, and I thought that was a very powerful statement and true. It's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and okay, so okay, enough with the serious stuff. Then let's get to some fun stuff. Now, I want to get back to this squirting debate. Oh, now, the reason why I want to ask you, because we've had these discussions amongst the fellas a lot. And, oh, and, and yeah, you get these guys, you know, somebody say something about squirting. They say, oh, nigga, she just pissed on you. That's just piss, you know. So I want I want you all as the women as professionals in this in this sexual conversation. What is it? is it pee or is it not? It's not. <laughs> so there. Well, and we, Doctor Jane, Doctor Jane and I, I we have. We gonna go with it's not right. <laughs> I was saying, Doctor Jane and I, we, we the three of us all have had this conversation before, but Doctor Jane and I have gotten questions about this a lot. Um, there's lots of controversy about what it's supposed to be, but it is a different substance than urine or female ejaculate. It is different. It is something totally different. So when someone squirts, they are squirting something that is not pee. So you are not being peed on. You can be if you want to be, but that's not it. It's <laughs> warm, though. What I heard. It's what I heard. <laughs> really? Research, girl, research. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> so it's a different thing. So it's it, you don't have to worry about somebody it, it being urine at all. This is an involuntary thing that happens. So, so if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you you know you don't. All right. Now, are all women capable of squirting? Yes. So if they haven't, they just have. If they have not squirted yet, they have not had the right man yet. Being right. <laughs> I know, all, I know a lot of people would like to think that. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of men would like to think that, but I also want us to, which is another taboo subject within our community, is to not assume that that woman is having sex with a man. Yes. Oh, well, good yeah. point. Good. Okay. Okay. So, so if you if they haven't, then their partner haven't ha- hasn't hasn't been doing a job correctly. So not no. necessarily, right? Enough. So. No. Because I've heard a lot of women say that, that they have never done it. Squirting is indicative of good sex. It's not. It's like an orgasm, right? Because right. like a lot of people, a lot of women, females, don't have orgasms with, with sex. And if you want a statistic, just because, because I have to, y'all know, I have to, right? You know, I have to. I, so there, um, the, one of the most recent statistics out there is that 70% of women who have sex with men do not have an orgasm during penetration. Ooh, 70%. 70%, which means most of y'all aren't. People out there faking. So people faking the orgasms? Yes, which is which we already know how Dr. J feels about faking orgasms. Yes, we do. Don't train somebody to not please. I was just about to come on, sis. Come on. Okay, but wait, 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 Doc, you said 70% of women who have sex with men. So are you saying that the women who have sex with other women, there's a higher percent? Or them more. Yeah, yeah. they I'm do. A, they I'm going to edit that part out. We ain't... <laughs> I am but not... Here's, but here's why, though. Because people ask me that. They say, well, why? Why is that the case? The reason is because most women, most women need clitoral stimulation for a prolonged period of time, and not hours. We're talking about 20, 30 minutes, right? Most... Um, heterosexual mm-hmm. penis and vagina intercourse does not give you enough clitoral stimulation to give you an orgasm. You're so with, in. right. With women who have intercourse with, with other women, they usually are doing direct clitoral stimulation for their entire, you know, duration of their act. So yes, they orgasm more. That's not to mean that you can't get your, your female partner orgasm. You just need to work a little. And, and it doesn't mean that the sex is not good. Better than a man does, which yeah. goes back to the, yeah. go the orgasm, ladies, because you're training that person to not please you. Because they went, oh, I did that last time. That's going to be my go-to move. And then you just laying there soggy for no reason. And Balan did say that's good. Well, Balan said it's correct. Just because you have an orgasm doesn't mean the sex is great. And just because you don't doesn't mean the sex was bad. Okay. Exactly. But if if you want an orgasm, you just, if when you have sex with women, you need to do a little bit more extra work around the clitoris. Mm-hmm. Period. Period. You gotta lick it before you stick it. <laughs> <laughs> if y'all can see her probably, face, probably. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you 
gotta do something. Link okay. it, right. it to it. A nipple or something. Yeah. So well, let's talk about that. Okay. So when it comes to sex in in in, in relationships and the one partner is not being pleased or whatever, mm-hmm. I think I mean it seems the easy solution is to have a conversation. But how easy is that really in relationships? How do you see it, especially those that counsel? Um, I can I can probably guess that it's very rare that people really sit down and, and, and explain what they like, what they really want and, and what, what they're not getting and stuff like that. It, the, the, do you all see that that happens? Um, it doesn't happen as much as it should. It's a shit, right. Yeah, yeah. I, would, I wouldn't say rare. I think that it, it comes out, you know, like you, it, you have to be very vulnerable and have trust, right? Like to be able to share, I'm not being pleased or I would be more pleased if you did more of this, less of this, you know? Sometimes if like, if it's like really exhilarating, like, oh my God, that shit was amazing. Like, let's fucking park again, you know? <laughs> and, you know, so other times it could just be a physiological response, but they can always depend on those because sometimes you know there's this you know you might you might be wet and not into it you might be dry and really into it but yeah those conversations are are really hard so like in my experience like uh I talk to a lot of women who might be like depressed anxious things like that talk to a lot of postpartum women so sometimes like their desire is super low like I don't even think about it and now with these medications I really don't think about it but I do think that I should fuck them because I don't want to fuck somebody else but I just don't feel like doing it and so like even those conversations like to talk about like okay I am depressed and I also don't want to fuck but I really love you and I don't want to lose you like that's a really hard thing to to discuss with the partner even people I've you know counsel who've been married for years been in you know good strong supportive relationships is a really hard thing to talk about for a lot of people yeah and it's one of those, again you know within our community particularly because talking about sex is such a taboo thing you know well generationally you know oh in a heterosexual relationship you're supposed to be there for your husband make yourself available to your partner you're not supposed to ask for it or complain about it or you know pleasure really isn't for you, it's for him, and all the conversations that go along with that. So I wouldn't say it's rare either. I would just say that it happens, but it's a it's a difficult and challenging conversation to initiate as well as to follow through with. Mm-hmm. Okay, I so think for a lot of people, what happens, right, is at least the way that when I see people for issues with um, with their sexual relationship, a lot of times it's when things have already come to a head, right, where relationships are already compromised and this is just one more thing that is making things worse. And then when you try to have a conversation about um, low desire or issues with, you know, pain with sex or whatever um, in a, in a situation that's already difficult or hostile, it makes that conversation so much worse. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that we don't talk to our kids about it. We don't talk to our, our adult friends about it. So when we get into a relationship in a situation where we're supposed to be talking to our partner, we have no idea how to do that. We have no idea how to do that and we don't feel comfortable doing that. And it only comes out when we're arguing or fighting or one more thing. Um, So hopefully, you know, part of the, the reason for the podcast is to hopefully make those conversations easier because if we can normalize talking about sex um, in, in lots of different contexts, then hopefully if you end up needing to have a conversation, you can be like, well, shit, I've, I've heard somebody say <laughs> this is kind of how I'm it goes. Shameless plug, Dr. Clay. I'm saying, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, oh. But we do, we talk a lot about communication. How, how many questions have we had about, well, how do I introduce something new into a, into my relationship? How do I, I, I want to use a toy? How do right. I tell my partner I want to do it in the kitchen? Most of the, I want cake. Yeah, most of this is about how to have a conversation in the right way mm-hmm. um, with the right partner in a trust in a trustful situation, and we just don't we're not taught how to do that. We end up being adults, being like, "Oh shit, how do we? I need to mm-hmm. tell them I don't like that. <laughs> how it's do like I do that?" Somebody's doing wrong, but you can't tell them. Just stop doing it. I just do not like it. Like stop it. Yep. But to have a more meaningful dialogue, like mm-hmm. hey, let's let's talk about you know. The things we like and the mm-hmm. things we enjoy. Like, why you try to put your whole fist in my butt? <laughs> <laughs> Did you ask first? <laughs> 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 I'm just saying. Yeah
first. Can we but start I, with a finger first? Like a oh, maybe, but all, your whole fist? No, that's not for me. Uh-uh, no. And we need to have that conversation before you do that. We before, that's consent, what I meant, girl. Like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. And we also talk a lot about boundaries. So, yes. That we don't enjoy being able to communicate that. That's not something I'm really into. And, you know, I did it the first time, or in my case, the three times, but that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> You know, you got to try it at least a couple times and make sure you don't like it. Exactly. Yeah. Like it or don't. Um, so, so with, with with that, how 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 um how would you say would be well? Before I want to back up on something. Um, when it comes to we you talked about the postpartum depression and and sometimes that leads to a woman's sex drive being lower and stuff like that. Educate the men on how to um. For, doc, for Dr. J, the first part is for you. What are the signs of postpartum depression that men should look for? And then this is for all yeah, the ladies. Definitely. Once they find out, once you recognize it, what is it? How, how, educate the men on how to handle their their mate when they fu- realize that they're in. Uh, well, having first of all, we're not handling nobody. But when I say handled, I mean. Oh, I'm Dr. Clay and from you know. Valen. But uh, we're not handling all I defer that to Val. Valen has worked with many, 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 many a postpartum uh, patient. She is probably the expert at, at how you figure out if your woman has got postpartum depression and how to, and how to leave her the hell alone. Because that's what you need to do. And <laughs> how, to, how to support, how to be a supportive partner, right? And, and, and honestly, for real, for real. And that's what I meant when I said handle. The old Dr. Day trying to take the I shit did. all in the bad. But honestly, men can have post, we call them PMEDs. So postpartum depression is sort of the global umbrella. To anything sort of like related to mental health for pregnant and postpartum women, culturally, we just kind of say postpartum depression. But there are a host of different diagnoses that someone can have while they're pregnant up to a year after they've delivered. So we call that. That, that year after delivery, the fourth trimester. And men can actually be uh, diagnosed with the PMAD, so perinatal mood and anxiety disorder. So your man might have postpartum depression. Like, you know, you might have delivered, he might be down, depressed. So we, we generally say around three weeks after delivery, like there are mood fluctuations because your body is readjusting, your hormones are all out of whack, everybody is sleep deprived, you're adjusting to a whole new person, this baby. So the first three weeks or so after delivery, we typically count that as baby blues, right? Like that's that adjustment period. But if it's after those three weeks and you're noticing a lot of women, um, one thing that I see, even with black women, and I think one thing that kind of we push that away is um, postpartum anxiety and a form of OCD. So a lot of times you think of OCD and it's that cliche, like, oh, you got to count, you know, you got to go out the door five times before you can leave. Or, you know, you got to count, you know, your grains and rice before you eat. But really in terms of like perinatal and postpartum women, what you'll see is, you know, like these thoughts of like something bad happening to the baby, like this mistrust of like being able to leave the baby alone, even with like the other parent, um, you know, like breast milk being contaminated, things like that. So Basically, if it's after those three weeks and you're noticing mood changes, um, inability to sleep, irritability, aggressiveness, um, anxiety, any um, panic attacks, anything like that. Basically, anything that you feel is sort of not how that person was before um, and it's more either maybe hyper or um, or sort of depressed, then I would just, a lot of times the best way you can support someone is just say like, hey, how are you feeling? Because especially as black women, we kind of put on that superwoman thing. Like we got this new baby, like, of course I'm gonna be irritable. I got just had a new baby. Like, of course I'm sleep deprived. And so most of the time we as individuals, like, you know, we will just kind of push stuff away. Like, mm, no, nah, like I'm just adjusting. And so sometimes like we're doing that mental deciphering ourselves. So if sometimes if a loved one calls us in, not out, but like, Hey girl, you feeling okay? Like I've been noticing you've been kind of, you know, not as responsive or, you know, notice that, you know, you just kind of seem like really forgetful, really fidgety, whatever, like a good way for a partner is just to call them in, maybe offer uh, to go to an appointment. Like the, the, 
thing that I would just like to say is you don't have to be an expert. Like there are experts for this space. All you have to do is be a support, let people know, especially in our community, like, yeah, you can talk to somebody or, you know, like talk to your OBs. Like there are a lot of collaborations between like clinical staff and OBs now. So they're doing screenings at follow-ups. They're asking moms when they're checking on the babies, like, how are you? And so I would just encourage people to use those times to be honest, you know, because that's your time to really say like, this shit is really overwhelming, you know? And, you know, sometimes I don't even know if I can do it. And then it's just like, you know, damn girl, I'm glad you said that. Like, I'm so sorry you're feeling that way. Like, let's talk about a good game plan. So that's my little plug. But uh, one in seven women, one in seven women will experience a perinatal mood anxiety disorder. So this is fairly common. Like, look at, you know, your immediate family or your extended family and count because, you know, one thing, and I don't know if my mom going to listen to this, but <laughs> no, but I was, I was doing a, I was doing a black, maternal mental health um uh, uh webinar uh what was this maybe a couple months ago and um uh, my mom you know right before I was like mom you gonna log on because I'm trying to get these hours for certifications so I was like just plug in your iPad she's like I'll listen she's like you know I had you know I had postpartum depression with your brother and I was just like no, you know, I've been doing this work for like five, six years. And she like she knows about it. Like she works on the OB floor at her hospital. I, you know, work for um, a women's mood disorders clinic at another hospital. And I just like she we, we just never came up. And she was like, oh, yeah, I thought I told you, you knew I was on bed rest. And I was just like, well, I can see how that's depressing. But like, I had no idea. So, you know, like these are things that like, I mean, I bet if you asked a woman who you love has probably had an experience with the perinatal mood anxiety disorder whether or not they engaged in therapy or not. Yeah, I have I have a friend of mine and she was telling me she had it so bad she actually even had thoughts of killing her baby. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, so. it can be real. I mean, I think like Valen was saying, it is, especially in our community, is incredibly important to reach out to your family and say, hey, are you doing okay? Because a lot of us do the superwoman act. We pretend we're fine. We 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 go about our days. We we go back to work. We take we take care of our families, and when we have breakdowns, um, and even as an OB at screening, and I'm sure it's the same with Valen. And you, you know, you see, you we see our people once every few weeks, sometimes every few months, um, and we don't see them enough to say, "Hey, are you good?" <laughs> um, and so, being a supportive family member in whatever capacity can be is really important. But it happens a lot. Mm-hmm. It happens a lot more than we um, are willing to say. And one thing, one more thing, I just had this epiphany, sorry. But one thing I want men to to not say, especially to a woman in the postpartum period, is you crazy. Because I get that a lot. Like, you know, like you said, oh, you crazy. Or like, you know, what's wrong with you? And it's like, bruh. No. So like, even when I'm not doing couples counseling, like when I get that kind of stuff, because like most of the time, like these these women and women in general, we're going to have these automatic negative thoughts anyway. Like, oh, dang, you know, like, you know, my my fupa didn't got, you know, crazy out of, you know, out of hand or whatever. Like you have these negative thoughts all the time, like imposter syndrome. Like, am I good enough? Did I do this? Did I, you know, speak correctly? And so like when your partner is like, you crazy when you're feeling crazy right like when you're not feeling yourself it is not helpful I I don't know if that's just people don't know how to encounter like mental health or you know it it, it's different than like if you see a broken leg it's like oh damn like you need some soup you need me to bring you something but you know you see my face like you, you have no idea if I'm you know I mean you could probably tell if I was psychotic but you wouldn't necessarily know if I was depressed or if I had anxiety to the point where it was debilitating and I really had to have like four panic attacks before we had this this call today you know what I'm saying like you don't always see that but I think partners see a lot of stuff that we would rather not show so if a partner then says something like you crazy Mm-mm. I invite them into my sessions. Like, let's let's talk about that um, because let's talk about how you can be more of a support. And most of the time, he got his own shit too. He got his own shit. I just, you know, professionally call it out. Just remind him, you know, work on you. And sometimes you don't have nothing to say. Just don't say shit. Just sit working <laughs> on her. Well, that, that's why I was. That's why I, I asked the question um, of, of being able to recognize it and how to and how to deal with it because. 
you know, a lot of times in our community, we, that, what you just said is true. We'd be like, man, you know, you get the fellas together, man, I got to get out the house. She over here tripping. She crazy as hell right now, you know, and not really realizing that she's really going through something yeah. that you need to be a little more supportive in yeah. uh, and handle it. So back to the fun stuff. All we right. Do, we be like back and forth. Like what good. we doing? Yeah. But you know what? It's, it's life for us, right? Because everything is not going to be like, like how no. are you going to wide open you know uh, like, i want i want to i want to go i want to you know i want to be able to cover all you know we have fun and, and educate at the same time yeah and that that's what it's about but in the in the in the in the uh in the day of the wop now that since it's so popular right now this Woo! is for dr clay uh-oh oh lord we haven't we haven't even talked we're we gonna cover that yeah. <laughs> Is is the, wop, is the wop always wop or does it ever come a time to do a woman come to a part with a point in life when the what becomes the that and yeah oh let's 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 talk talk yeah and and i want to say very very clearly that that is normal because i think a lot of people we celebrate we celebrate the walk when it's the walk and we don't celebrate it when it don't cooperate and when it don't do the things that we want it to do but there are lots of periods in life where your walk it does not work correctly one we talked about which is after having a baby like there's so many changes that happen after having a baby that makes your vagina not act the way it's supposed to or act the way it used to. As we age, it happens too. When you hit a certain age and you stop having periods and your hormones are changing, your vagina changes as well. And that's normal. It doesn't mean your vagina doesn't work. It just means that we need to put in a little bit more efforts to make it do the things that we want it to do. Um, I often tell women, listen, your vagina is not going to operate the same at 20, 30, 40, 50, and 60. There, you are going, your body is going to change. The way that your vagina works is going to change. Therefore, your sex should change. That doesn't mean your sex is any less pleasurable, any less orgasmic, or any less um, intimate. It just means that things have to change. Um, I think we also have to, <laughs> we have to have that same conversation with partners. Um, I get a lot of people who bring in their partner when we start talking about changes that happen with age because a lot of, and I'll just, I'll just generalize, a lot of men don't realize that things change and what that means. Just because I am 65 years old and I don't get as wet as I used to doesn't mean I'm not attracted to you. Doesn't mean that I don't love you. Doesn't mean that I'm having sex with somebody else. It just means that my vagina is dry and we need to work on that. Just because I'm not having orgasms as fast or as quick as I was when I was 20, um, maybe it's because of our four kids, two jobs, three houses, and taxes. Okay. <laughs> like, like there's taxes. certain things. Girl. Taxes. Girl, for real. <laughs> That'll dry me up quick. <laughs> <laughs> like, damn. <laughs> I'm telling you. So sometimes it, sometimes it's about, again, having a conversation. Where are we in our relationship? Like, is this our 50th year together? Because the longer you're in a relationship, the less sex you have. It doesn't mean that you are less attracted or less intimate with a person. It just means that your relationship has changed. Yeah. And sometimes it's about telling the partner, hey, <laughs> she's 65. She cannot fuck six times in a day. Her vagina was not designed for that. So if you need to fuck six times a day, you've got one hand, two hands. A flashlight. Some. <laughs> You, there are things you can do to satisfy that, but you have to have a realistic expectation. Our bodies are not designed to be like they were when they were 20 until yes. we die. And you, can we also have the counter conversation? Because dicks ain't going to be as strong and as hard as they no, were. Now, they really don't want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> about, you know, how the D and how the peen is, too. This is true. This is true. And, okay. and the same goes for that, that reverse conversation. You know, if you, you know, if you're a woman who happens to be lucky enough that she's 50, her kids are out the house, she has a WAP every day, but her man has diabetes and high blood pressure and his penis don't work the same. Come on, come on. She has to understand that you're not going to have a hard penis for two hours. Okay. You might need to pregame, get yours first, and then okay. allow him to penetrate you for however long it can happen and call it a day. And that can still be the best sex of your life. Yeah, because some of them got that prices right, did you know, it was that, that game they had on there <laughs> where it was like, you remember, and this was more like Bob Barker, not the new dude no. that got on there. He ain't that new oh no more. God, I can't, I can't, can't with her. 
where it's like it's slides through the price ranges, but he'll tell you like be careful because once you hit it, we can't start it over for twenty four hours. So a lot of these <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? They're not fucking you all night. You going to you going you better get in the range, boom, and then you hit it because then you're done. They got that one hit quit. It's not necessarily a problem, like Dr. Clay said, but you know the same ones talking about they want to walk. They got that one hit quitter, and you know the show is over at six thirty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? I love you, Val. I just want you to know that. We just call me and our brothers. You know what I'm saying? I'm all about, you know, introspection. You know, look yeah. at yourself. Yeah. In the conversation. Yes, this is true. Okay. So, what about? Um, I know we, I know Dr. J and I had this conversation when, when we did, the, when I did the interview with her. Um, so, but I want, kind of want to cover it again and get you, um, the rest of you all's um, opinion on it. When it comes to introducing new stuff to your partner, of course, a conversation, but what, what's the best method and, and, and how do you handle it if, 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 if it's something that, you're strong for, but they just really don't want to do it. I must, I will say what Dr. J says often, right? Which is number one, don't have this conversation in the middle of having sex. Okay. Please don't do that. Don't have that conversation in the middle of an argument. Yeah. Don't have this conversation when you're talking about taxes. Don't have this conversation until you are in a safe space that you think you can have a meaningful conversation. That's number one. Yeah. Um, and number two, Dr. J says it's also, you have to know what your hard limits are, right? You have to lo- know what your boundaries are. Um, and then you need to know what your partner's boundaries are. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those are not going to match up. If you want to get fucked in the ass and your partner is like, no, I don't do that. That's my hard limit. You have to make a decision. How important to you is getting fucked in the ass. Mm-hmm. And once you decide how important that is to you, then you make a decision about your relationship. But I think you have to have an honest conversation with yourself about what your hard limits are and what you are willing and or not willing to do. And then you can have that meaningful conversation, not during sex or an argument or during tax time with your partner um, so that you can, you guys can kind of come, come together. Oh, girl, you made me sound so smart. It sounded like, <laughs> I was like, oh, because that my, my mind was not working like that, but I like the way you packaged it up. That's really good. No, I, listen, I be listening to Dr. J. I'm okay. telling you, I be listening okay. to her. She was, you know, I be listening. That was really good. So what what are, are I guess this will go to the, the to the counseling side. Um, are there any like top one or two things that when, when you're counseling people on sex that are requests from a partner that you get a lot that the other partner may not want to do? Having sex more often than the other, other person wants to. A lot of it is like, I want to have sex three times a day or once a day or every day or three or four times a week. And the other person is like, that shit's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I get and, that a lot. Yep, and wanting more or or different kinds of sex, right? So even if you happen to be with a partner, like if you like to fuck three times a day, they fucking you three times a day. They like that amount too. That's great. But then you know, it's like I know you used to like fuck me like a jackrabbit, and that was cool, you know. But like I like it more slow and sensual, you know. Like telling a partner like that feedback of like how your needs have changed, or like you know, when people kind of learn more about what their excel- accelerators are and what their brakes are, right? So most of the time we're talking about like you know like. You want to let your partner know what turns you on, things you really like. But what we often don't do is tell our partners about things that we really don't like. You know, like, I didn't like it when you put your thumb in my ass the last time, you know, like, and, you know, I I might just take take your thumb out my ass while your thumb is in my ass. Some people let you do it the whole time. And then it's just like, you know, that was kind of uncomfortable. I really don't like that. But yeah, people will ask sort of or want to know, like, how can I, like, I don't want to hurt my partner partner's feelings or ego but I don't like you know I don't like the way he does or or you know I would like it if he did more of you know he or she did more of x so I think those come up often what about what about inviting other people into the bedroom it's interesting I don't get that question a lot like I don't get that question as much as people think um, I think there are people who that those are their hard limits and they know that very, very quickly in a relationship. I think that's something that people tend to, to 
to get out very quickly. Like, I don't want nobody. I don't want threesomes. I don't want you cheating on me. Like, I feel like that's one of those like buttons you, or those like those boxes you check. I want this. I want this. I want this. I will do this or that. I think more is, I think people who are open to that type of lifestyle or that, or that experience, they usually know that. Right. Yeah, like, that, that's something that usually you've talked about pretty early on. Mm-hmm. I would say the third thing is uh, kind of going towards balance is different by um, it being more creative and less boring. So changing the location, um, changing the position, incorporating kink. Like I've gotten in 2020, I cannot tell you how many times I've gotten questions about kink or BDSM mm-hmm. or... Um, those type of things or making recommendations for resources and stuff. So mm-hmm. it's funny. I've heard, I, I have a lot of, you know, female friends and family members and stuff. Well, I don't really talk too much with the family members, but the friends, we have more uh, conversations about sex. And um, it's funny because some of the things that they complain, you know, a couple of them I've heard complain about with their men. I'll be like, really? You didn't want to do that? You know, um, I mean, just like common stuff, like, you know, they say... Fucking too long. No, they say like, oh, you know, I want to introduce toys. You'd be like, what you need that for? You know, you don't, you know, just stuff like that. And yeah. uh, that a, a lot of people would, would be happy that they woman was into stuff like that. But uh, a lot of men are more vanilla than they are willing to admit. Yes. In, in a serious monogamous relationship. Mm-hmm. I think from my experience and just the conversations that I've had professionally, um, men enjoy experimenting and all of that, but they don't want their woman to be too experienced because then their ego gets injects with their brain about, well, where does she learn that? Well, what else does she know? Well, she didn't get that from me. How many people has she done that with? Exactly. Am I the first? You know, she didn't, why is she bringing this up now? She didn't say this the first two years we were together and- so I think that uh, in a monogamous relationship, a lot of men are more vanilla um, than that they are than they're willing to, mm-hmm. you know, say based on my hashtag research. I'm just saying. Right, so, so you I, think, I, I've you been think. intimidated with toys too. I heard a lot of guys ask me about like, well, if she's using that, like she won't need me, or you know, like uh, how am I supposed to compete with that? You know, with ten speeds and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> You're not supposed to compete with the ten. You're supposed to be doing some other stuff that the ten speed can't do. Ten speeds taking care of something. You're supposed to be taking okay, care. Okay, that's your teammate. Right, <laughs> teammate. Everybody wants the same thing over here. Okay. (laughs) So, with what you were saying, Doctor Day, do you think that men are more, um, you know, insecure with their woman's past than women are with their men's past when it comes to? Ooh, that's like our podcast. I was about to say, uh, you, you, you have us here all day. Okay, you know what? Now I know you threw this to Doctor Day. I'm gonna say this to shut up. What I had, so now this, for some people, it might feel a little inappropriate, but so my siblings are, they're all 18 and up, and uh, two weeks ago, we had a house, it was probably like eight, uh, eight young people, you know, male, female, and some kind of, because I, you know, they know I'm a social worker, and they know I'm a sex therapist, so, and y'all grown now, so, you know, like, what are y'all doing? Y'all being safe? And this came up like we I don't know how it how it came up, but we talked about partners and uh, like, is it a requirement to to ask? Like, I'm like, people don't ask about numbers and, you know, and I forget, you know, I'm talking to like 18 year olds and they're like, yeah, yeah. Like, you definitely got to ask. So they were talking about like numbers and like, you know, you definitely can't like they don't want nobody who's over like one hand. And I was just like, oh, shit, they just started college. <laughs> So I told them, check me back when you graduate, you know, but they were like, you know, nobody, you know, can't be over one hand. Da, 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 da. So we're talking about body counts, but it seemed to be important to all of them. But like the, the boys were definitely much more like, you know, it was a dismissive factor where the girls were more or less like, you know, they wanted to kind of questions and stuff like that. But anyway, it definitely, this is a hot button topic. Go ahead, Dr. J. <laughs> No, I think that for that conversation, uh, we gonna have to turn the people have to turn into uh, tune into this is sex. Oh, girl! All right, all right. In the the same part, do do you think that men are less forgiving 
when it comes, you know, if they have found their woman that had an extramarital affair, then then women are forgiven men. I think that depends on the situation, yeah, and the relationship. the situation, the socioeconomic status was was it an entanglement? Mm. Was it a true? You know, I like that word. (laughs) Or was it a true like you know, like you was gonna leave me? her like I think it depends a lot on the nature of the relationship the the other person had and um and what the impetus for it was right right because because I think things are for some people having someone have an affair when they were going through a hard times is something very different for than if they thought everything was going great and then they have an affair because they seem they feel like they're blindsided so I think it depends on the context of um of who did it, why they did, why they did it, and how when it occurred. Yeah, how long they do it took. Yeah, how too long afterwards. Just well, you know. Well, I want to. Um, I don't want to hold you all too long. Although I'm enjoying the conversation. Hopefully, this will be one of many. Hopefully, I can be a guest on your show. And hey, yeah, I like that. But I want to I want to kind of close out. And once we close, I want you all to stay online I'm in the recording. But I want to talk to you guys a little bit after we hang up. But in kind of in closing, um, let's talk a little bit more about the podcast. What do you, what do you all hope to accomplish with it? Um, I hope this is not stemming to what I asked you earlier, but just the overall goal for it and, and what you really want to accomplish with. It. So I consider the podcast um, edutainment. Um, the three of us have, like Valen said, have our own perspectives. We have the medical perspective, we have the social work and mental health perspective, and then we have the public health perspective. And while separate, they all have their merits, but us having an interdisciplinary approach, we really want to put accurate information out there. The majority of states in the, in the majority of the United States do not require medically accurate sex education in the schools. So we have people matriculating through high school, getting to college, and really have never had comprehensive sex education. And then we wonder why, you know, we have a lot of ignorant adults when it comes to sexual health matters. They don't know what to ask or who to ask. So what we really want to do is kind of insert knowledge, insert um, a little bit of fun and kind of break that cycle of ignorance when it comes to sexual health and really promote having honest, meaningful dialogue and conversations um, across generations and not just having us as people of color or black people just remaining um, ignorant and let things related to sex continue to be taboo issues. Okay. You have anything, um, Dr. Clay? I kind of, I was, this might sound wrong and I, and I, and y'all, if, if y'all, y'all don't like it, y'all say that, but I want to, I, I feel like it's like your three aunties talking to you about sex, right? Like your three aunties, the people who like, you were like, yeah, she's cool. Like, I'm gonna go ask her. <laughs> like my mama tripping, I'm gonna go ask her. Um, think of it as like your three aunties, your three older sisters, whatever it is that are that are open enough and honest enough to have a real conversation. Everything about from, okay, how do you get STDs and how, and where do you go to get them treated all the way to, if you want to put a dick in your ass, how do you do that in a safe way? Um, and where do you go to find the appropriate information on how to do that? And everything in between, um, in the realest, most honest way from the, from the lens of three educated black women. I just, I, I think of like aunties, Yep. I'm your auntie and you need to come ask me about some some stuff. Okay. And I ain't gonna tell and I ain't gonna tell your mama. <laughs> right, that part. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, what about you? But, but before you answer, Val, I, I want to tell everybody uh, like everybody that's listening, especially you young ladies, Valen is the auntie that you better damn well be ready to hear the answer because she's gonna get <laughs> if you're gonna get embarrassed. If you get your feelings hurt, you don't go ask Auntie Valen. You better go ask one of the other two. Yeah, she won't tell your mama, but she will tell your business. <laughs> you know, okay, all right. I'll, and I'm going to call you out. But, you know, it's going to be loving. And before you go, I'm going to show you back up, give you some love, let you know, you know what I'm saying? We all fuck up. But I will I will call you out. You know, it helped me a lot. But, yeah, that 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 is me. I think you hit it on the head. 
I would just echo what they said. I mean, for me, you know, a lot of what has moved us forward as a community is this conscious raising. Like before every movement, like every part of our history, it's been this conscious raising. Like whether it was like in slavery and it was through song or, you know, when we used the church, when the church was more political or with, even with the civil rights movements, like, you know, those those meetings and those times where we just kind of got together, like share share information and I know I'm like you know way out there but you know with the boys with the bus boycott you know like you don't do something like that for a year you know at that point in time without having coordination so it's just like you know all of us didn't have to know everything but it took all of us just sort of like sharing what we knew being cooperative and I think of it like this like you know for me you know it's about like centering pleasure and getting information it's like like you can't even get to pleasure like for so long like our pleasure literally fueled this economy you know like our bodies haven't belonged to us and so it's about like reclaiming our bodies reclaiming our time like having that community where you can talk to your aunties and you know get cussed out and encouraged at the same time mm-hmm. and you know go out in the world and do what you need to do to you know maintain um especially as a black person or a person of color in this day and time so yeah well, I'll tell you, I'm 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 extremely, extremely excited about you all's podcast. Um, I think it's very needed. Um, I think it's going to be fun, entertaining, we'll be educating. October edu- 1st. Huh? We'll be launching October 1st. Yeah. October 1st. Okay. So, again, I think it's going to be great. I'm excited for it. Um, and if, if there's anything that I can help you all with, I'm, I'm here to help in any way I can. Um, I fully support you all and everybody that's listening. Please, please support these ladies. It's going to be a great podcast. How often do you all plan on doing one? Weekly, bi-weekly, once a month? What was what's going to you have? You know yet? Now we're shooting for twice a month. Twice a but month. Okay. We'd like to grow to have it weekly, but mm-hmm. every other week right now. Okay, great, great. So October first. October first. Looking yeah. for it. So everybody, make sure you go check out this is sex podcast follow subscribe to them support them it's going to be great um i'm I'm, again ladies i'm super excited and and, and i can in any way i can help you all i'm here to help uh one of my reasons for my podcast that i started is i wanted to have good entertaining um and educational stuff for our people to listen to because there's so much negativity and bullshit out there Mm -hmm. i want us to have some good stuff out there um it's funny because, like, Dr. Jan and I just c- kind of connected through Instagram because we both ride motorcycles in that micro community. And when I got started on mine, I just kind of took the chance and inboxed her because I was kind of seeing that she was in the sex uh, uh, education field. And she was one of my first um, interviews. Aww. And we developed a cool friendship from that. And, and, and now with you all with your podcast, so... These are the kind of things I hope that us as black folks can do more of, you know, when we see helping each other, supporting each other um, instead of tearing each other down. (laughs) Um, I I, I so much look forward to it. And again, I look forward to y'all's podcast and I thank you so much for um, coming on today and taking the time out. And I look forward to to many, uh, many more conversations with y'all. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Yay. Thank you. All right. So uh so everybody, y'all go make sure you go check out This Is Sex. And ladies again, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's the Dear Black Folks Podcast.